Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. All right. Welcome to the show, Don. Thank you. I'm great. I'm glad to be here, Christy. Me too. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited. So um, when we were talking in our previous uh, discussion, we were talking about this difference between trauma and emotional concussions right? and how that can affect our business and its growth. So what's the difference between the two? Well, this is something I came up with because I deal with a lot of people who are very successful, you know, doing well in life, but they've had things, bumps and bruises along the way, you know, we all have to some degree. And so I found a lot of times people did not want to sort of say, yeah, I've had trauma, but how did you, how can you quantify it? So I came up with the term, you had an emotional concussion, you know, so you've gotten bumped. And we all have those little things. And that could come from a teacher, a coach when we were younger, maybe being hard on us or, you know, experiencing something with a friend earlier, you know, even bullying. So those may not be the big T traumas, but they're still having an effect on the way your mind is operating presently. And so the great part about a concussion is concussions do heal. And traumas can too, but sometimes absolutely. we don't want to talk about it, right? But they yeah, feel I, bigger. They feel I, bigger. I absolutely think this is brilliant because whenever in the personal development world, someone's talked about trauma, I'd always look at that word and just have a complete disconnect because yeah, people sometimes don't want to talk about it, but other times it's like, you might not have had something really big happen in your life. So um, not to the extent of, especially if you're comparing with someone else, oh, well they had, I know they had that big trauma. I don't have anything like that, but it's all relative, right? What seems big to someone could seem small to someone else and, and on and on we go. But to us, our traumas, our concussions are what we have to deal with and get them out of the way and cleared so that we can get to the next level, Right. Exactly. And, and like I said, those could be stumbling blocks as big as a big T trauma could be. You know, I've worked with people who have had what would seem like if, if you talk to somebody who had this big T trauma and they hear about this kind of trauma, they'll go, oh, you know, I wish that was the worst thing that happened to me. But it's still at the same time, it's having a major effect. You know, I'm the same as you, Christy. I had no real trauma. So I grew up thinking that everybody was living the life I led right? And I didn't see a lot of the dysfunction because everybody's on their best behavior. If I go to my friend's house, I'm not seeing the things that are going on behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that dad and that mom are just like my parents, but they're not. So there could be something else underlying. In fact, my best friend growing up, his father had committed suicide, but I didn't even know that. I was so sheltered from my parents that they did tell me he passed away, but I understood it was a heart attack. But my friend actually found his father when he was 10 years of age and had committed suicide. So you could see how that would have a big effect on him, right? I didn't experience that. So I would not be experiencing what he experienced. 
Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I, I, I would like to maybe re recoin the definition of trauma in a way, because to me, it's an event that can shake you to your core. Exactly. And now some people, depending on what their experience or depending on how nurturing their environment was, that could rock them, like you just said, rock them to their core, basically shatter their core beliefs. And they have a hard time coming back, right? Where somebody else could experience the exact same event. Two people experiencing the same event. One doesn't get rocked to their core because they've had more nurturing. And the one that does get rocked to their core, what they are now seeing through studies is that some of those people can experience what is being called post-traumatic growth. So they may have been down a lot further because of their own personal set of circumstances, but they can actually grow. And that's what I love about what we're doing is that we can help people whether or not they have had that big T trauma or an emotional concussion or gotten rocked to their core, everybody can heal. The mind and body are designed to heal. We're just going to give you the tools. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those tools. What's the science behind this first of all? Well, what I really discovered, it really came because of my wife and my daughter. Like I said, I grew up with no real trauma. I was having a hard time understanding why my wife didn't see the world the way I saw it, even though I knew she had trauma. So I was very aware of what her trauma was because we got married very young at 19. And I knew where her trauma was coming from. But in my mind is, well, why are you not feeling better when you're living with me? Right? Shouldn't everything have settled down because you're not in that household that was very frightening and disturbing as a child? Now you're in this environment that I grew up in where everything is very peaceful and quiet and loving. Why is it not getting better? And that's what really, and then my daughter, same thing, you know. So they've got everything that I thought they needed, which was a loving, nurturing, safe environment. But they were both still looping through the way the mind stores memory of trauma. That's the science that I, I said that we have to fix because what was happening is, is that your survival brain, your subconscious mind, which is really in charge, right? It's controlling about 95% of everything that's happening. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it is. It is. And we all think that we've got this logical, reasonable, you know, prefrontal cortex is pretty much in charge. It is as long as there's no threats. So it's almost like it's the gatekeeper. The subconscious is the gatekeeper. And as long as you're playing and there's no threats to the gate, to anybody penetrating the gate, right? Go ahead and have fun. But as soon as there's a perceived threat, instantly reason and logic go out the window. And then survival takes over. And then where the problem really comes in is not just the survival threat. If it was just a survival threat in the moment right now, Right? That would make sense why your mind is doing that. And that's why we respond. The problem is not coming in from that threat. The problem is coming from all the threats that look like that threat. And that's what's overwhelming the nervous system. And that's why people are experiencing these very, very disturbing emotions and having anxiety, panic attacks, uh, even all the way into depression. That's coming from the overload of information from all the events throughout their life. Wow. That's, yeah, that's really incredible. And if you think about it, 
why wouldn't it be so overwhelming? It's like, you have to relive in the moment that you're in relive, you know, dozens and dozens of similar incidents. No wonder, you know, we can have a, maybe an inappropriate reaction to a situation. Exactly. Now here's what was interesting. And, and when I, um, I would t- say something like this to my wife, no, I don't like that. And then she would come back with tears in her eyes saying, why are you getting mad at me? And I would be like, honey, I didn't say anything that was mad. Why do you think I'm mad at you? She's well, the way you said it sounded like you were getting mad at me. What I didn't understand at the time was I thought, well, then I've got to change the way I say it. I got to be more careful with the words I choose. So I'm walking on eggshells because I'm trying not to get her into that emotional state. But it would, no matter what I did, it never really worked. What I didn't realize is it wasn't what I just said. What I just said may have had the slightest change in my vocal tone, just maybe a little frustration from something else during the day that I can't hear because I don't think I'm upset at all. But she hears that little slight change in the way I said it. And what her mind does is does a Google search. It's, and what it's saying is, what do we know about men who start to show that frustration? And all the data about her father would come flooding in. And there's where the tears were coming from. All the extra information, not what I just said. And so this is so powerful for relationships, you know, for, you know, for couples, even business partners, right? How they can set each other off and not even realize it. And then they would go home and they would say, you know, so say it's in a business situation. You know, you go home and you say, you know, to your husband, I have no idea what set John off today. He just lost it today, right? I didn't say, I didn't think I said anything wrong. You didn't, right? It was all the stuff that he brings to work. Now, take that as a business owner and then take it to all your staff. They're all dealing with that. And so you're the owner of the company not understanding why you're having all these HR problems, right? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And it, and it feels like almost feels like a really disorganized office and you've just got to clear out the clutter so you can actually work. Yeah. And and you're not doing anything wrong. You're providing a great environment, just like I was providing a great environment for my wife, but she couldn't experience it the way I experienced it because she was constantly being flooded with old data about stuff that looked threatening. And so there's a part of the brain, the frontal brain, Um, called the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex, which is this logical, reasonable part of our brain that is supposed to be able to stop an impulse. So for example, you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off. And then your initial response is, you know, oh, I'm going to chase that guy down, give him a piece of my mind, right? But that part of the brain Right, is able to then use that reason and logic and say, well, hold on, let's let's calm down, right? Maybe they, he didn't notice me, didn't see me, maybe he's in a rush, you know, all those logical things that can come to your mind to calm you down. Now that system is perfectly designed. The problem is if it was the person just cutting you off in traffic that day, your mind could handle that. What it can handle is that looked like you were being disrespected. And then any event that had happened in your life about disrespect was coming into that event that's happening now. 
And there's where the person blows up and gets angry and they come home and they're fuming, right? They maybe almost got into a fight in the street, you know, cutting each other off all because of not that incident on its own. Doesn't wow. that make sense? Doesn't explain so much. Yeah, it does. And it, and it makes you want to have more empathy for other people and even for yourself for when you get maybe a little out of control with the emotions whatever emotion it is, whether it's anger or grief or, you know, depression or anxiety. I mean, it, it, this is like life-changing stuff when you can realize that you're actually reliving multiple experiences in one moment when you get triggered. And, And that's why I spend so much time in our sessions on the education, because when you understand the problem and you go, gosh, that makes perfect sense now. Now I understand why this person does this or why I do this, right? And then that brings about that empathy, right? Oh, maybe something happened to them, right? So you're working with a coworker or a friend or whatever. Now it sort of makes sense why they did that. Where before you would have been all hurt, right? And then thinking, okay, you know, they're just not nice or they're being unfair or not treating me properly. When they couldn't really have done it differently based on that flood of data coming into them. Yeah, this is great. So I want to get into how we actually go about clearing this. But before we do that, I want to talk about what's the impact of this. Like when you want to grow your business or when you want to launch a new product or, you know, start a new venture, you know, like, I mean, what does that bring up for people? Have you like, do you have some stories of people who maybe started going up against their upper limit or uh, something like this, where they they want to do this? You know, that everything in them says they're going to do this, and then something happens, and they don't they don't follow through. They don't they don't continue. They give up. Yeah, I've got. A really, really good example of that. Um, a gentleman who went through our program, this is almost four, almost four or five years ago. When he first came to see me, he was trying to get into his uh, health and wellness business. That's what he was sort of working on. But he was just struggling and for some reason just couldn't seem to make it work. And he had no idea why. Because he thought, I have a good idea. I've got a good business plan. He was trying to put these things together. When we sat down, one of the things, and again, this is uh, somebody who had an emotional concussion, not a big trauma. He lived in a very loving home with very peaceful parents. But what happened to him without him realizing it is his parents set in a belief system early in his life that risk was dangerous and that their motto was, you get a job, you buy a house, you, you get a 401k and you retire. Right. And so he was an entrepreneur at heart. So every time he got into a situation as an entrepreneur that required some risk, he would change his plan, try to come up with a new way to do it, try to come up with a less risky way. Now, that was all subconscious. He didn't even know he was doing it. So what he should have been doing is saying, okay, I need some office space. I've got to invest in some equipment. I've got to then invest in some marketing. And what he was doing was trying to find other people to put his equipment in their businesses, right, without taking the risk of the rent, right, and then trying to borrow other people's equipment and then try to do a profit sharing on the equipment, right? He was doing everything he could to take the risk off of him. 
But Christy, as you know, with all the people you work with, like if you're an entrepreneur, you just run straight into the face of risk every single day. There's no way of working around it. But the human mind is designed to avoid pain. So it will do whatever it can do to work around pain or find another way around being hurt. And so that's just a natural instinct within us. And you have to be able to overcome that. And so that's really what we're able to do is identify where the problems are coming in. And then despite the fact that it's going to be risky, you still have to move in that direction. That's what makes people successful. And if you can't do that, chances are, and I always say that the word sabotage should just be eliminated. The, the brain does not sabotage itself. It avoids pain or stops pain. So that's not sabotage, that's protection. And so for him, he was trying to avoid pain without realizing it, right? Not trying to sabotage his business. And after we went through the, the program, he did about a million dollars in business, all because he just felt freed all of a sudden. Yeah. And he probably could identify a faster way to accomplish his goals than, gosh, all these different ways to avoid what, you know, he really needed to confront. It's fascinating that this is so subconscious. You know, it makes yeah. one wonder what is lurking in my shadow that I cannot see that is actually holding me back from living, you know, the life I'm meant to live for, so I don't die with the music in me at the end of my life, you know, it's, it's incredible. So how do we go about identifying what, or do we need to identify the blocks? We really don't. Um, A lot of times, sometimes those things will come up all on their own when we go through the program. Um, And people will say to me, you know, I've, just never thought about this before, right? But for some reason, this is coming up. The mind is brilliant. It will actually come up with what it needs to fix. It really fixes itself. All I'm really doing is guiding it, right? It's designed to heal. The idea is to try to get the blocks out of the way that are interfering with our ability to perform. That's why we call ours a performance program. It's not trauma therapy. It's not therapy at all. The idea is, is we start from the premise that there's nothing wrong with anybody everybody is filtering through their own set of what I call atmospheric conditions, which is their own set of experiences and events throughout their life that has created a response. And if that response is to avoid that pain or avoid that hurt, then before you know it, you're doing certain behaviors and patterns, right? That you don't even recognize because they've become so ingrained. They're just automatic responses. So a great example, another story was I worked with a gentleman, Pastor Tim Johnson, and he's a former NFL player, and he he planted some churches, just a great guy. And after he went through the program, he had his whole staff go through the program, and he says, gosh, now I understand why I would be counseling somebody and pastoring somebody, and they'd be sitting with me going, yes, you know, you're right, pastor. I love this. I'm going to do this. He says, and then they go right back to the way they used to do things, and I could never understand why. Now it makes so much sense, right, that something that happened in their life to create that. Well, and that's good for us to know who are transformational leaders who want to help our 
our customers and our clients live better lives too. It's like, you know, some of the advice that we're dispensing could be actually falling on deaf ears. To the logical part of the brain, the part that uses that reason and logic, it's perfectly sensible. That makes perfect sense. But then the subconscious looks at that and says, is this information safe? Right. And if it doesn't feel safe, it'll just reject it because it's not going to do anything to hurt you. That's why I say sabotage is the wrong word because that suggests that you are deliberately trying to hurt yourself or deliberately trying not to succeed. I don't believe that's true at all. I believe everything is always geared towards success. Everything is always geared towards moving forward. What's interfering with you? And so if you stick those labels on people, which happens so many, not you, but we get stuck with those kind of labels or, or society sticks you with that kind of a label, you can see why you just eventually go, you just accept it and people will accept that label. Yeah, I'm just, I sabotage myself all the time, right? Or, you know, I'm a pessimist, right? I see everything pessimistically. And one thing I think we talked about earlier is that, that I don't even call it pessimism. I just say it's low optimism. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you raise your optimism levels, how your optimism fitness score? You can do that. We now know that optimism can be learned. Yeah. And this, this, I want you to drive the, the, the point home that we are really whole the way we are. We're not broken. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a computer program that we've yeah. been running by default. Yep. So I always say, you know, if you hit the M key on your computer and your computer shuts off, you don't say, oh, I've got a bad computer. You realize that there's a coding error. So somehow the M, right, got a code written that says shut off the computer. There's nothing wrong with the computer. It's just got a coding error. And those coding errors come from experiences in our life, right? They got coded or programmed. And that's what's happening. So all we have to do is go in and rewrite, reboot the computer, you know, defrag the computer and allow it to go back to its original state. And it's the same thing with us, right? We're not designed to be failing. We're designed to succeed. We're designed to survive and thrive. What's interfering with that? I never had any of those kinds of big experiences. I got bumped those emotional concussions. Sounds like you did too, right? But because they weren't overwhelming to us, we were able to, you know, we didn't get rocked to our core. So we were able to survive them and figure out a way around them, right? But some people have just been rocked so badly. Uh, My wife was one of them, right? My wife was, uh, but she was high functioning. So if you met her, you would never know it. But beneath the surface, she was just constantly living in fear. And then that manifests itself into health problems. So she ended up having, she got Hashimoto's where she burnt out her thyroid. So she's in a constant state of fight or flight. Well, the system's not designed to do that. So even if somebody looks like they're functioning really well, you know, on a, on a personal level, inside that's churning and that's grinding on the system. And it's going to show up somewhere. That's why I think we have so many health issues and even leading to addiction issues where people, they can't feel any better. They're trying everything they can. They just don't feel better. And so when they take a drug or they take alcohol, they feel better, even if it's just temporarily. And so it's amazing how the mind will work with even uncertainty. The mind does not like uncertainty. It likes certainty. 
And so if I don't know how to heal myself, I don't know how to fix myself, you can see how easily, right, that alcohol or drugs provide some certainty even for a short period of time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you kind of touched on this, and I wonder if we can speak a little more about it. You know, some of the physical symptoms that can show up in our lives, you know, your, your, your wife had Hashimoto's, you know, there's other people out there that are living with back pain, but they don't realize it's not, not really the cause they think it is like, oh, they were in an accident or something. And then now they have a misalignment. It, 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 it could actually be something happening in their, in their mind. Now this sounds, this might sound crazy, but can you, can you talk about the science behind this? Absolutely. When we have unresolved trauma, we create inflammation. The response to trauma is inflammation, whether it's physical or emotional. So if you have unresolved trauma, inflammation is going to show up somewhere in the body. And then that's going to start then creating some physical pain. And so a lot of the biggest problem we have in this country is so many people are all inflamed. And that can be coming from emotional trauma. It can also be coming from diet. But if you have that inflammation, it's going to affect your health. It has to. So not only when, if we have inflammation from emotional trauma, that's going to also affect our neurotransmitters and our immune system. Because when the cells go into that cell danger response, the purpose to inflammation is a temporary protection system. The inflammation is designed to pause the system until the danger is passed. So it, it develops a hardened membrane. So the inflammation, the cell develops a hardened membrane to protect it from being penetrated by any foreign invaders, bacteria, whatever it is. So when it's in that inflamed state, it's going to stay in that inflamed state until the danger passes. When the danger passes, the inflammation comes down, the immune system comes in, and does its job and cleans everything up and is cleaning things up during that time. But temporarily it's paused. So the problem is, and only for humans, is we're looping through the trauma, like my daughter and my wife. So the inflammation stays active. And then it is the system, what's designed to do, a perfectly designed system, pause, danger passes, come back online, get everything fixed, is not happening they're staying in that chronic state of inflammation, chronic state of fear. And that's going to have a major effect on the body. Yeah. I mean, this sounds a lot like PTSD, but maybe not to that extent, but you've, you've worked with PTSD patients yep. gone through terrorist attacks and yep. all sorts of trauma. But the great part about it is we can, we can heal it. We don't have to live with it. Our whole system has been designed to live and manage and cope with these things. Got an anger problem? Go to anger management classes, right? You've got uh, PTSD. We're going to teach you how to live and manage with those things when they come up, right? And what I'm saying is, no, we don't want to manage it. We want to eliminate it. If you went into the ER with a broken leg and they said, okay, well, we're going to give you some morphine. We're going to teach you. Here's a pamphlet on how to walk around with a broken leg, right? You would just say, well, no, can't you fix it, right? Can't you just reset it and let it mend? That's what we're doing. And that doesn't make any sense. So I always explain it this way. Anytime you have an emotion, a feeling, a sensation, your mind is calling for an action. 
The purpose of fear is to escape a threat. The purpose of anger is to attack a threat. So if you think about something that happened to you five years ago and you feel fear, PTSD, right? That the mind is actually trying to get you to run away from something five years ago because the subconscious mind operates in the present. It's fully in, engaged in what's happening now. It doesn't see things as past or future. It sees things as now. So when it's pulling in all this data from five years ago, when does it think the data is actually happening? Right now. So doesn't it make sense that you would feel fear if your mind thinks, like in Rebecca Gregory, who was at the Boston Marathon, when she first sat down with me, she started to shake and cry. And I said, you know why you're shaking and crying right now? She says, well, because I'm telling you what happened to me. And I said, correct. But your mind thinks, as you're telling me, about the bomb that went off behind you, that there's a bomb going off behind you. And it's trying to protect you from the bomb. But there's no bomb, it's information about a bomb. So Hollywood has made hundreds of trillions of dollars from being able to trick our mind into believing something on the screen is real. Because that's exactly how our mind works. It sees everything in real time. You know, you just blew my mind a little bit because I know how powerful visuals and watching movies and television can be. Someone once said it's not television, it's tell-a-vision. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, are we being programmed by what we watch? Sure. Because every time you watch something, if you've had similar experiences, right? What's that doing? It's bringing back the reason you're feeling the fears. The logical part of your brain says, I know this isn't real. This is just actors, you know, on a screen. But the subconscious part of your mind does not know that because it sees everything in stories, in pictures, in sounds. So a, a movie is actually communicating perfectly with the subconscious mind. That's as accurate as it, as it gets to the subconscious mind. Well, if that doesn't make you want to break your Netflix addiction, I don't know what, <laughs> what, because that's scary stuff right there. And like when you're binge watching, you know, you're in a state, you're yes. in a state of receptivity where you're not really thinking logically or rationally or filtering. Right. And, and if you're feeling emotions, what is your mind asking you to do? Have you ever been in a movie and you jump? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah right? For sure. Why are we jumping? Right. The reason we're jumping is because our mind actually thinks that what happened on the screen is actually happening now. And you don't choose to do that. Here's what's the, the most amazing thing about it. If you could choose whether to respond to that movie or not, you would movies would have no, no appeal at all. Right. The reason why Hollywood has made trillions of dollars is because they know you have no choice. You are going to respond one way or the other. Doesn't matter. And it's just an automatic response. Our autonomic nervous system is engaged and is creating a response to protect you. That logical, reasonable part of your brain is 400, millisec 400 milliseconds behind your subconscious mind. So your subconscious survival brain is seeing everything, processing it 400 millionths of a second before you're even consciously aware of it. You couldn't stop that if you wanted to. It's already responding. Wow. That yep. like mind blown right there. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yep. So, 
Okay. Uh, let's talk about your process. Like how does, how does one reprogram or rewire their brain, their computer program, so to speak? The great part about this is it's not painful. It's not long. It's not in depth. In fact, we do very, very little on the actual events themselves, which is really fascinating. So the process that I take people through is about a four hour process, which is pretty unique. I don't know anybody else doing four hours. I don't know. I mean, especially when you think about how many people have probably spent thousands and thousands and weeks and weeks on a couch in a therapist, four hours is nothing. It's not. It's, and it goes so fast. The reason it goes fast is because I'm purposely getting them into a very relaxed, super relaxed, focused state, which is called alpha brainwave state. Now, alpha brainwave state is the same state you're in when you watch TV, read a book, right? You're actually super focused on what you're listening to, but you're at the same time very relaxed. They believe Albert Einstein lived in that state most of the time. So his mind was very relaxed, but super focused on what he was dealing with. So information just flowed very easily. And so when we get into a beta brainwave state, we're bringing in a lot more information. So we're taking in a lot of data around us. And so our brains are operating faster at about 15 to 30 hertz or cycles per second. That's where trauma gets recorded, is in a beta brainwave state. Lots of information because we're being threatened. So it's taking in a lot of data and recording it with our senses super heightened, sight, smell, hearing. So how is it recording this memory in high definition, very bright and intense? So can you see why it's like the same thing going to a, a movie in high def, why it's so powerful when the mind sees that data, just like it sees a movie? It looks so real, it can't distinguish between it being real or not. And that's why it creates those responses. So what we do in our process is this data, this high-definition traumatic memory that's being stored, what we do is get you into an alpha brainwave, super relaxed, super focused state. And the mind reprocesses that high-definition data into the same state that it's in now. And that's why people, I can, within a few minutes, I can have them then start recalling that same data and they'll be saying, how can I talk about it now without crying? How can I talk about it without shaking now? It's just being reprocessed. The mind's not feeling the threat, right? It's not seeing that same intensity. So I usually, I'll explain it this way. If I asked you, like Christy right now, if I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell me what you ate for dinner? Oh, this is horrible. I can't, I can't even remember. <laughs> How about breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had toast or something. <laughs> okay. So when I asked you that, you started looking at pictures, right? Of maybe where you were, what you ate, right? That's how we store the information about what we ate for dinner. We store the information about everything, right? And that kind of a format. But because it wasn't threatening or disturbing, it was stored as a fairly low resolution file. So it doesn't create a big response, right? There's no threat to that information. But if I'd asked you about something that was threatening or disturbing, your mind would have started pulling up a lot of information in high definition, and that would have created the emotional response. We need to do something, we're being hurt, we're being threatened. And so by the time we're finished, I can get the mind to reprocess that with you. 
and then it takes it in the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. Hmm. And then it just stops calling for the response because that wasn't threatening. Yeah, it's just neutral now. Yeah. And we do it in minutes. The mind is so brilliant. Like I said, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just guiding your mind to do the work. I'm just taking you through the process. You know, like I use the broken leg analogy, right? You may go in to your doctor and he resets your leg, but he's not healing your leg. He's just resetting your leg. So it can heal. That's all I'm doing is getting Mm -hmm. your mind to reset so that it can then start processing it. So let's say I've had 10 traumas in my life as an example. I haven't, but I mean, who knows? Um, Do you have to do a four hour session for each of those traumas or can this process take care of all 10 at once? It can. It's really amazing. I generally do two or three in a four hour session and I'll, I'll only really do two or three, four minutes, five minutes of the particular event and the mind will update it and we'll go through two or three of them. Once we've done that, this process now starts. So it's almost like inserting a new app, a new algorithm, and the mind then starts applying this new information to all that data. And so we're able to, so even though there were things that we may not even have talked about, right, or even brought up, the mind then starts that healing process as as well. So as an example, I had a lady who had really bad sexual abuse as a child, and we worked on three different events. And as I finished uh, the third one, she says, well, you know, sort of jokingly, she says, we're going to be here all night because I've got a lot of these. I said, well, we don't need to do any more. Let's just let your mind now start the healing process, and it'll start to do that for you. She goes, but how does it do it if we never talked about it? And I says, your mind knows what it is. And at no point did she even explain one word of what those three traumas were. I never had her say anything about them. We did them all visually, and I, I have a couple different ways, which is really very safe. You're not going to have to sit there and share intimate details about an event like that. I had no idea what happened to her. She just told me in general that it was abuse, sexual abuse as a child, but I had no details of any of those events, and they all updated. And then. I saw her about a month later at a store just by chance and she came over to me and she says, I've got to share something with you. She said, I was feeling great that day. There was no question. Those three events had really updated. I could talk about them. I didn't feel the response to it. She says, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't believe you when you told me my mind would clear all the others. She says, but I was at universal studios on the weekend and I was riding on an escalator and I was with my daughter and my husband and I was looking over the railing. And my daughter said to me, mom, look at what you're doing. And she says, I never talked about my fear of heights. We never discussed it. And it's gone. I don't have a fear of heights. She says, I went up to the top of the escalator and looked over the railing at people walking underneath. She says, I couldn't do that before. And she says, and I didn't even know it was gone until my daughter pointed it out to me. That's how brilliant our minds are. They're designed to heal. Our bodies are designed to heal. All we have to do is get them back into realignment. That's amazing. Now, I know you take people through this process one-on-one and you recently started an online class. So how does that work virtually? 
It's amazing because it's the same thing. It's almost like we just talked about in the movies, right? <laughs> I'm just taking you through and letting your mind absorb this information. So the online program is, I, I do Zoom sessions even if I can't do a one-on-one -on -one personally. That was the model that we built it all on. And then I said, I really need to scale this because I can't see everybody. And I know how difficult it would be to train other people to do what I do. And that's not conceited. That's just, there's something that I've learned over all these years. There's a way I speak, how I speak. All that has come in. It would be hard to teach somebody that. So what I did is I took the program and put it into a video series that takes you through exactly the same thing as if you were just sitting with me. And it works. And we've had tremendous success. Um, we had a lady in New Zealand who went through it. We've had you know, people from all over the world go through the online program and they, they loved it. They said it was life-changing for them. Now, people said, well, what's better, one-on-one -on -one with you or the online, right? Well, it's the book and the movie, right? If you read the book and you went to see the movie, you'll never like the movie. You'll never be as good as the book, right? And so obviously one-on-one -on -one with me can be more intensive. But most people who are high functioning, they don't have to have that. So they can actually do it on their own. Now, if they, if they find that they have a tremendous amount of trauma, they may want to do a one-on-one. -on -one. But if they, and even people like that have still gone through, a great example is I had a, a gentleman who was very, very um, distressed, in fact, suicidal, and we didn't even really know to the extent of what he was dealing with until after he went through the online program. And then he told us, and he says, this has changed my life. Wow. So I take you through exactly the same, same program. Now, if it didn't work for him on the online program, then he probably would have come in to see me, but that really has not happened very much at all. Most mm -hmm. people get through the online program. We're also doing it in groups with a group of people with that uh, with just a uh somebody supervising taking them through it and that works too that's great that's a great idea for your office or your mastermind to to yes i mean we can all heal each uh, ourselves together like that's amazing and and no one needs to know any details that's what i love about it you know so if you had a mastermind i would come to that take people through the whole program nobody had to share their trauma but there's something that what I love about the groups, there's, there's an energy about it because when you start watching people and they're transforming and, and going, Oh my gosh, like I feel amazing. Right. There's su such a great energy about that. And I love the groups. They work really, really well. This is brilliant. Now I have just a, just an out of the blue question. We didn't really talk about it, but you know, um, this idea of epigenetics, does that like, can we actually inherit, does this help us heal maybe some of the, the past traumas that we've inherited that we don't even know we have? And can, just talk about epigenetics because you're going to be the expert on this. Right. Well, I believe that's possible, right? There's no real true evidence of it, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, we obviously see there's a lot of things that have gone on where people talk about that. Mm -hmm. So I believe that it's possible. So if we are holding traumas from, you know, our ancestors, 
right, then I believe that that's possible to heal as well. So I think this is very, very possible because trauma is just um, continually looping through the mind. And so if it's come in from a, a different, you know, ancestor at some point, for, for example, we do know that mothers, right, who are having um, a child, they're having a child, right, that's going to affect the, the baby in the womb, right? So how far can that go back? Can that go mm-hmm. back even further than that? I believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't even know what kind of traumas we even experienced in the womb. And if we still carry that around or the birth trauma and all that, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's definitely some interesting research around that, but it, it sounds like, I mean, if the mind's pretty much awake from <laughs> when we're born on, you know, and we don't have memory of a lot of things, you know, this, this seems like it can really do wonders. Well, if, if we, you know, uh, when you have a child, that child looks like you, right? It's got similar features. It's got similar DNA. Why not? Isn't it possible? Why would it not be possible to carry memory, mm-hmm. right? To some degree. We're very, very smart, advanced beings. So that may actually be possible. So even, even the animal world, right, through generations have learned to adapt to their environment. Mm. What is that adaptation? Is that coming from coded DNA, right? Memory may be coded DNA, mm-hmm. right? So that I believe is is very possible. And I know I had one particular, it's just really funny because I just talked to her again the last week. She came through our program um, a few years ago and she was pregnant. Her, and her mom was so concerned about her because she was going through a very, very bad time. A lot of uh, personal problems that she was dealing with. And she was very worried about the baby. And so when she came in and we started going through the program, she said to me, as we were getting into the, getting these uh, events updated, she said to me, she says, give me your hand. And I, I put my hand out and she put it on her stomach. And she says, feel this. The baby was kicking like crazy. She says, I have hardly ever felt this baby kick. And now it feels like it's in the middle of a soccer game. It's kicking me so hard. The baby was loving the way she was feeling better. So it was definitely feeling that. Yeah, it was funny because I just talked to her again last week about it. I said, remember that. She goes, that was an incredible experience. That's amazing. And so beautiful too, because, you know, this is definitely something that's life-changing, not just for ourselves, but for everybody we come in contact with because, our relationships will transform if we're not reliving these traumas and these triggers when we're, we're, you know, speaking with our loved ones, then anything's possible. I mean, it's, it's like, we just can strengthen our relationships with everyone around us. And, and definitely I can see businesses growing. I mean, can you talk a little bit about some of the ROI that you've seen in businesses um, because the entrepreneurs or the teams took this on? Sure. Um, one particular company I, I came in to work with, um, they had a number of their agents. This was a real estate company. And the lady who was their number one agent, she was already, she was the star already. But after she went through the program, she, what, one of the things that she said was, I didn't feel like I was authentic. I really wanted to be more authentic. 
And she says, but I was afraid to, because if I let my guard down, right, I'm a top producing agent, maybe that provides a weakness or a vulnerability, right? You know, even though that they're in the same company, they're competing against each other to some degree, right? Because they're independent entrepreneurs, right? So she never felt safe letting her guard down. Once she did that, her sales tripled, right? Now, that's a combination of some of the market, but it wasn't all market because not everybody did that. And then we had another lady, again, same kind of thing, no big, big tea trauma. But when I first sat down with her, this is the same company. She said to me, she goes, um, is this all confidential? You're not going to share any of this with you know, my boss? And I said, no, of course not. I said, why? And she's, well, I'm going to probably be leaving the company. And I said, really, why is that? And she says, well, she's, I just don't fit in here. She says, I don't really feel like I'm that well-liked. And I, I'd already known the whole story of some of these people because the, the guy who owned the company was telling me about some of them. She, they loved her. So she was not feeling that. She was feeling like her job was actually on the line and she was probably going to get fired anyway. So she says, you know, I'm looking for other opportunities. One of the things that happened, one of her traumas, and again, this is this big T trauma. Most people would say no. But when she was 16, all her friends, right, were on the cheerleading team and she got cut from the team. And as she started to tell me the story, she is sobbing. I mean, this was a major event to her. For a 16-year-old? Yeah. (laughs) And so in her mind, and I started to ask her, right, and she'd been into four different jobs in the last five years. Mm. I believe that what she was doing is she was quitting before she got cut. And in her mind, she was going to get cut, even though that was not true. Now, they went through this program now five years ago. She's still with the company and she's doing really well. So those are the kinds of things like with relationships, you're just talking about with, that's a combination of relationship and business, right? All of a sudden she felt safe there. And because she wasn't feeling unsafe, she was willing to stay and you had to get through the event that created it. Did she know that? Absolutely not. She would not have made that connection. Yeah, the how could you? Made it's that. not like you're thinking about cheerleading right in the middle of your career. Like there, it's just so far back in the recesses of your mind. So, I had another lady, um, same thing again, and I and I talk about because the big T trauma is easy to figure out, like what's going on and why people are being affected. Well, it's obvious. It. It's like uh, there was a big thing. I could, yeah. But this one lady, very loving, she says, you know, I I really don't think I've had any trauma. She's, I can't really come up with anything. And I said, okay, that's okay. I says, can you come up with a a time that maybe you felt bad, right? Maybe somebody said something to you or something happened. She's like, and she's really struggling with it. And then she says, okay, well, I got something. She goes, she's, I was in church with my grandmother and my, and my cousins and siblings. And I, I see the tears starting to come. And she says, and I was talking and then the tears are starting to come. And she says, and my grandmother took the hairbrush and she hit me on the head and said, don't talk in church. And she says, I just realized I lost my voice that day. She goes, you know what? I've never stood up for myself. She goes, I lost the ability to speak. And that was like an epiphany for her yet. 
had you asked her before until we got her into that very relaxed state that her mind could now start to process that event may not have come up with her. And then that was life changing for her. She's like, I really need to stand up for myself. I just take whatever anybody throws at me. I just take it. And she goes, but I don't want to be like that. You know, same thing with our, our lady who tripled her sales. She says, I want to be able to be vulnerable. I want to be able to say how I'm feeling without fear. Those are all the things that are holding us back. And again, this is why we call it performance related, because both of those people were already successful by every stretch of the imagination. There was nothing wrong with their performance up to this point, right? If you looked at it from the outside, right? right? But they still have another gear. We all have another gear. How do you get to that next gear? Eliminate the things interfering with getting to that next gear. I work with athletes a lot and we see athletes' performances go up, right? Why? Not because they trained any differently, but because their mind got centered, got back into balance. And that allowed them to stay present and in the moment. And if you read all the self-help books, they'll tell you, be present, be in the moment. But our minds don't naturally work like that. They're survival-based. And so they're continuing to filter through our environment and relating it to our previous environments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a saying that we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. And I think that this is probably why. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, this has been a, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, we'll put some links in the show notes so people can find you. But um, tell, just tell us real briefly how people can learn more about your programs. And then after that, why don't you go ahead and end us on a final nugget of wisdom, a final piece of information or inspiration that you'd like to leave us with? Okay, perfect. So I, I do believe I think they uh, were saying that they put some stuff in the show notes. I think you have some yeah, stuff in the show notes. Um, our website is the inspired performance Institute.com. If you go there, you'll see a lot of testimonials. We have so many great testimonials of people who have seen life changing experiences. Um, you know, whether they're business people, they're um, athletes, or they're people veterans people suffering from major T kind of trauma. This has been, you know, a life-changing experience. So I'd love for you to watch some of those. And I'm sure there's something in there that people could relate to. Oh, that sounds like me, or that sounds like something I've experienced, or my wife or my husband or my child has experienced. So we'd love to do that. And um, the, the real, I guess, wisdom that I'd like to share is, is like I said, I said a little bit earlier, but it's so powerful that there's nothing wrong with anybody. Everybody's mind has been affected by these events and experiences in your life. And if you've done things in your life that maybe you weren't at your best, what I say is, is if your mind is filtering through your own personal set of experiences, atmospheric conditions, you couldn't have done it any other way. Because if you filter through those, your mind, if we have a filter and we have mud in the filter, right? And we pour water through the filter, the water's going to come out muddy. What was wrong with the water? There was nothing ever wrong with the water. It just got filtered through the mud. So the key is to get the filter cleared out so they can filter right through, right? And stay clear. Those are your thoughts. 
beautiful analogy. Thanks again, Don. Oh, it was great. I just really enjoyed it, Christy. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.